Put your hands together. Put your hands together. Lucy, Jerry. When someone introduces you like that, inakweka pressure. Haya, angalia Hi everyone, <clears throat> I have this flu that has lasted since like end of March, so if my voice like gets hoarse, msifikiria ni Mother's Day, eh? it has nothing to do with being a mother, but it's so awesome, I mean it's just so absolutely awesome to be in this congregation today, I've looked forward to it the whole week. There's a fake friend of mine here. Namuitanga fake because he only introduced. Hi there. Pastor Benji waved to the church. Amekujia pesa, by the way. So kama umjatoa anatime, nanataka ku account. Pesa peke. Okay, pesa peke. So it's really, really awesome to be here. I'm glad to be with my fake friend. Um, he only introduces me as a friend when I'm speaking somewhere. So, sijui kama hii urafiki na kuangaya. Ama niile ukiwa mbelea watu, you have to say something like that. Ndi at least mjulika ne mnajua na na speaker, sindio? But anyway, he's a wonderful guy. He's my deski at work. Imagine. Yeah. So, um, as he said, um, as he was introducing, I'm a mother of three wonderful children. I wish I carried my laptop. My daughter, for those of you who know her, Simnajua. Simnajua jeans zimetoka wapi. So, she's 13. She's a roper. I have two handsome sons after that. An eight-year-old about to turn nine and a four-year-old who just rocks this world. For those who've met him, he's just, mm, aw, imagine. <laughs> the ladies in this house, okay, even the men, when you get daughters, I promise you, I'll have fixed up those sons. They'll be, mm, <laughs> mm, husbands for those girls. Those little girls that are pending to come, they're the ones. So you can be sure it will be good. Yeah, hata wewe tunagoja. Inakam, nisikuweke pressure mbele ya congregation. Aya, open invite. Na mesema, vitengeza? Yellow na blue? Hakuna vitengeza, uli change mind? Okay, saw, ame change mind, so no vitenges. Hata tuambia, ripped jeans. Ah, okay. Watcha will talk about this, then we'll let you know. So, um, when we were doing worship, I was thinking about something. And this, I don't know how many times you've been to church, and you're watching people worshiping. Kuna wale ata washa nil kwa floor. Kuna wale wa mikono. 
kuna wale style yangu amelia you know my tissues imeja and you're wondering eh what are these guys feeling that i'm not feeling you know sometimes you even wonder na hiyo mashida ni mop kuna vile hiyo machozi si ya worship then you're looking around you think ni kama kuna mtu alimdampo huyo there's something there and you know sometimes even if you're thinking some of those things i don't know if you're like me there's this feeling that sometimes comes in your heart and you wonder if you're missing out on something you know and sometimes you kind of feel left out by god you know or maybe you've had those seasons with god mlikuwa deep you know you had this wonderful relationship and then in afika to mahali you just start feeling like you're lost and you wonder is this a one time thing is it a sometimes thing is it a most times thing and i think one of the biggest questions i always had about god can it be an everyday thing to have a close relationship with you i want to talk about something today by the way, i don't normally keep to my notes so that i'm sikuwa impressed niko na notes hapa I even want the guys who are going to be projecting the verses zenye nimempea msifikirie ndizo nitakuote tukichange mchange tu na mimi just in case i might not even say all of them but i want to talk about something which we all know about it's not anything new it's something you've had since you were young it's something you've had as you've grown but it's something i think until it hits your heart it just remains out there they are amazing mary wave wave siku nyingine ukichungulia nitakuita hapa umesikia eh usituzoe that's my colleague yeah so sorry by the way um i'll try be serious after this now i'll be the proper preacher <coughs> okay now i'm a proper preacher so um i want to talk about the love of god and i want to talk about the amazing love of god and i think as he says sometimes it's easy to go ah, what's new about this what is this that i'm going to hear that i haven't heard what is this that will be so new i want to begin with a story of somebody it's not really something deep or anything but it's something that gave me a moment of epiphany this guy was retiring and when he was retiring from being a pastor he wanted to leave his son to pastor the church it's not being nepotism i mean it's not playing nepotism in that culture it's quite okay for the son to take over his father's pastoral duties but he was afraid for his son the man had been born again since childhood some of you maybe have been born again since you are young some of you got saved in primary school high school some of you are getting born again now yeah but one thing that this man was really worried about it wasn't that his son was not born again He wasn't worried that this guy doesn't know Jesus. Because I think I don't know how many of you here are here and you're not born again. But if you're not born again is also cool you're in the right place, yeah? But if you've been born again, I think you fit in this category where this man was worrying about his son. He knew his son loved God. He knew his son loved church. and he knew the church will be in good hands but he knew there's something that has hasn't happened with his son that will make all the difference 
And I wonder if this has happened to you, because if it happens to you, it will make all the difference. He knew his son has never had an encounter with God. Have you met God face to face? Ile ana kwa ana, you know? Eyeball to eyeball, not forehead to forehead, eyeball to eyeball. And I'm really, really praying and hoping that today, during this service, even if you don't come out having an encounter with God, you will have at least an inkling that encounters happen because when you meet God, life is never the same again. You can know about God, you can hang out with God, you can be in spaces where God is, yeah? But to have an encounter with God is something quite completely different. You ask Paul, do you guys have this? Sorry, I know I promised I'll be serious, but do you have that Kalist Mnandi Kangatu questions? I'll ask God when I get to heaven, who did Cain marry? Mnakwanga not what to list. I'll ask Paul this. Nitauliza Mary this. You know, to list. Just in case atutambiwa everything marawans, you know. There may be too many people and then God won't have time to reveal all the secrets to us. So when you're hanging around, you ask. Eh? But then how did it feel at the Damascus Road when you encountered God? You know, like ulishtuka. What did you think? You know, and all that. And you know, those are some of the questions you really wonder when someone is preaching and they're saying encounters with God. What does an encounter with God look like? Is it a brain thing? Is it a heart thing? Is it a falling on the road from your horse like Paul? What is it? And I think there's nothing really that encounters our heart about anything from God, like his love. And that's what I want to talk about. Let's now start getting now to the sermon and everything. And I want you to think about your growing up days. I'm the second child in my family. Yeah, the one I was raised up in. Now, if you come from my culture, you know we name our children um, for the grandfather, you know, and the grandmother. So my parents will name me and my siblings for their parents. Now, I had this unfortunate, I don't know whether it's unfortunate or it's fortunate, I had this misfortune of being the second girl and there was no other boy born in our family except my brother. So technically what it means, it means that everybody in my family, all my siblings are named on my father's side and I'm the only one named on my mom's side. Now, if you are born at the era I was born, which you can't tell, I hope. <coughs> but that's besides the point. Yeah. If you are born at the time I was born, grandparents had this thing of calling you an in-law, and then everybody else is given these special favors, like when you go to shags. So that's what I grew up with. You know, like I'm the odd one out because I'm the only one named on my, father, on my mom's side. And my shosh had this really bad behavior of calling me in-law. Kinda makes you feel really out of place, eh? And then she has all these goodies that she comes with, and she gives my older sister, who is named after her, 
my brother who follows me, who is named for her husband, and our last born sister, who is named after her eldest daughter. Yeah, life can stink. Yeah. I don't know if you've had those times where you feel you're competing. Then guess what my parents did? They had these pet names for all my siblings except me. Now, who does that? <laughs> so my older sister was mom, my bro was Bingwa, and my sister was Kiki, and I was just plain Jerry. I mean, like, really? And you know how it feels, you know, at home, everyone is like, Kiki, Jerry, you know, and like, ah, you know. I don't know if you've been in relationships where you feel it's like you're competing for the spot, yeah? Maybe it's at home. Maybe you're last born and everybody thinks you're the one who is being favored. Maybe you're the oldest, so you're the one having all the responsibilities. So it never feels special. But we all have, at one point or another, a vacuum in us that wonders, am I really loved just purely the way I am? Exactly as I am. Nothing held back. And we are constantly searching for that. When we get into relationships, we are constantly searching for that. And we are constantly searching for that. And if there's something that I have found that is really amazing, is that despite the human numbers that we are, and we are going to become, there's never going to be competition with God. There's never going to be competition with God. And that's why I want to start my sermon today. There is no competition for God's love, even if we are billions and billions and billions. When he looks at each and every one of us, he sees us alone, uniquely. When he says he loves us, he loves us singly, uniquely. And I want to actually underline one really key thing. When he went to the cross, you know sometimes we imagine he died for all of us. It wasn't a batch job. He paid for each one of our sins singly. One person at a time. He walked in into the space of your life, walked through every single thing you did and you will ever do singly for you. Paid for each one and every single thing. Paid it all up singly. It was not a batch job. He didn't just say, Whoosh, for everybody, singly. And there's a reason why I am underscoring these things. Because I want you to understand just how much you mean to God. I really, really, really want you to understand just how much you mean to God. When you watch a movie like The Passion of the Christ, it looks like he was on Calvary for a couple of minutes, yeah? Okay, a couple of hours. And it looks like he was in the grave for a couple of days. And it doesn't make sense that every one of us could have been attended to one person at a time. But that, then again, that's good. But I tell you for a fact, when he says in Hebrews chapter 12, that he knows, that he understands what we are feeling, what we are going through, is because singly for you as son, 
for you as Mike, singly, he walked through your life. And he's dealing with you today as you. Not as the church. So when you go shake your fist at God in anger, or kneel down in adoration, he's dealing with you at that one point, even if the entire world is looking at him. He does not lose attention. And I want us to remember these particular words even as I go on to say what I am going to say. When we are dealing with God, we wonder, if God loves me so much, why? And I know we all have whys. Why did I pray this and it didn't happen? Why is somebody having so many good things happening to them and they're not happening to me? Are you sure God does not play favorites? Kunavile, was Mary being played on a favorite when she became the mother of Jesus? How is it that I don't seem to have certain gifts? And some people have gifts. Why is it that I'm still, why do I still feel this vacuum inside of me? Why is it that despite everything that I do, it just doesn't happen? I think the most beautiful thing about where you are at in life is that you are actually building your life right now. There's hundreds of people who, okay, hundreds, did I say hundreds? There's millions of people in their 50s, 60s, 40s, and everybody keeps, I don't know if you see those things that keep going around in WhatsApp, what I would tell my 25-year-old me. Now, you don't need to do that then, yeah? So we are doing something now so that when you're 40 or you're 60, you know you precisely made the right choice. Psalms 139. That one, I've actually stuck to it. Psalms 139. Let's look at it as I deal with the issue first. Does God play favorites? Um, every time I read this psalm, I kind of feel like uh, I want to cry. And there's a reason why I do that. Because every time I read it, it really fascinates me. I'm reading the Holzman version. But um, I'm assuming that one will still be much similar to what we I'll be reading, although this is slightly kind of different. So I'm reading the whole man's version. And I love it for one particular reason, the, the English that is in it. So Psalm 139, Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I stand up. You understand my thoughts from far away. You observe my travels and my rest. You are aware of all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know all about it, Lord. Verse 5, you have encycled me. I like that version that says you hem me in. Like he puts this fence around us. Eh? You have encycled me. You have placed your hand on me. And I'm going to pause at verse 6, then we'll continue later. This extraordinary knowledge is beyond me. You have placed your hand on me. 
I want you to know right now that God has placed his hand on you. And how now? One, God's love. Let's look at its characteristics as we just keep that verse there. The verse five and six if you can, yeah? One thing about God's love that is so hard for us to take is because it doesn't make sense to us. We know God loves us. We accept God loves us. But the thing we don't do is we do not allow God to love us. True story. I know you're thinking right now, I want God to love me. I am willing for him to love me. But we really don't truly allow God to love us. Why? We have these perceptions about what God is. Some of us think of God as a morality cop, isn't it? He's checking all the bad stuff I've done, eh? and like we all have bad stuff we've done, and we are doing, isn't it? Some of us are thinking God is this cop that is going to catch us. So even when we are in our secret closet, we are perpetually worrying. What is he seeing? What doesn't he like about me? Some of us think of him as this angry, righteous father who's waiting to get even. Yeah, and sometimes we think of him as this avenger, and I'm not talking about the movie, Musikwe Derailed, yeah. You think of him as this avenging God who is out to get you, and it's really, really, really hard to allow someone like that to get close to you, isn't it? Because you don't want him to come and find stuff. So we want what he's able to do to us. We want what he's able to give to us. But we want him to stay far away because if he gets too close, we assume he's going to see stuff. And when he sees stuff, he's going to stop liking us. Like that guy or that chick, isn't it? He didn't know you lose your temper. And then he got close. You lost your temper severally. He didn't know, yeah? When you laugh loudly, after you finish laughing, your throat does this funny sound. So you don't even laugh loudly so that it doesn't get there. You know, I, I'm using that because even in our human relationships, we have these things. But we actually have, we fear God. We fear him so much. We want everything he's able to offer. But we can't quite allow him to love us. And yet the most amazing thing is that God desperately wants to love you. As is where is basis. As is where is basis. And I want you right now, even as I continue making the words I'm making out of this sermon, to start letting your guard down for God. It's okay. He won't hit you on the head. He won't punish you. He'll try, he'll work on you, but he won't, he's not coming to hurt you. God's love is incomprehensible. It doesn't make sense. But that's what makes it marvelous. It does not make sense. But that's what makes it marvelous. And yes, it's too good, but it's true. Let down your guard. It's okay. It's okay to let him come in. 
The next thing about God's love, and that he tells us from verse 7 onwards, is that he loves us relentlessly. He will chase after you relentlessly. And that's the most amazing thing about the incomprehensible love of God. Listen to what he says. This psalmist says, Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in hell, you're there. If I live at the eastern horizon, settle at the western limits, even there your hand will lead me. Your right hand will hold on to me. If I say, surely, darkness will hide me and light around me will be night, even darkness is not dark for you. The night shines like the day. Darkness and light are alike to you. There's the most amazing thing about God is he doesn't stop chasing us. He doesn't stop chasing us. His love is relentless. He loves you that much. He'll keep coming day in, day out and say, I want you. I want you. As is where is basis. It doesn't matter how far you run. It doesn't matter where you run to. It doesn't matter what you're doing right now, what you're doing, what you did, what you will do. He'll still love you and chase you relentlessly. And that's a love you can rely on. It doesn't matter. He never quits chasing us. He never quits. As long as we have breath of God within us, we are alive, he doesn't stop chasing you. So even when you're in that space, you know that space where you're feeling so condemned, yeah? Where you're feeling like you're the last piece of garbage on earth, he's still looking for you. Even if the entire church, the entire class, the entire world doesn't think you're worth it, he'll still chasing after you because you're more than worth it to him. I find it so amazing that God with all his foreknowledge knew when he was creating Adam he's gonna fall. Do you know he knew? See he knew. He still created him knowing he's going to fall but he created him still. But you know what is the mystery of God's love? Before he created Adam, the Bible tells us in Revelation that before the creation of the world, the lamb was sacrificed. Hallelujah. He made space. He made, he had a caveat for everything you are going to do or not do. He made room for what is worrying you about him. Then he made you. Amen. Because he meant to have you. He meant to have you and he's going to have you unless you don't want him. He's going to chase after you until he gets you because he loves you that much. Why won't you give yourself to a God like that? What are you holding back at? This is not a girl who will like another guy after a while. This is not a guy who could like another girl after you've made all these promises to each other. He never quits chasing. 
he never quits chasing. He's like those foolish men, although even those ones give up at a, at, after a point, eh? or those foolish girls who keep, you know, going into the thing, you know, and you've told him no 10,000 times and he's still coming. He's more than that. He loves us relentlessly, you know. And the most beautiful thing about that relentless love is it's unconditional. Hallelujah. God, please say it again loudly. Amen. It's unconditional. I don't know. I feel God when he gives me his unconditional love. We all have been loved by one person or another. And somewhere along the way, like this wire, it trips you up because some condition comes in, isn't it? And it just breaks your heart. It breaks your heart because you want to be loved as is, where is, pieces. And there's this crazy God. I say he's crazy because it doesn't matter what I am. It doesn't matter what I'm going to be. He loves me unconditionally. And so does he love you. Please stop sitting there and struggling in your life when you have a God who is willing to be anything and everything for you. And you're looking at it. You're looking for it in Instagram. Shindwe. Shindwe. You know the way they say? Can you say the jazz bar? You know, kind of thing. I mean, for real, for real. You can apprehend it in your hand right now. And what are you chasing? The wind. Seen anyone who's ever held the wind? Seen anyone? Anyone who's ever bottled it? So why do you think you are the superhero who's going to do it? Why do you think you are the one? Why do you think you are the one? Because we all feel superhero. Namuache kuwatch Avengers zinawadanganya. Okay, by the way, I watch them so much. But that's... By the way, kama uja watch Endgame. Kuna vile, but... Oh yeah, back to the sermon. <clears throat> You're not a superhero. Elvis Presley. Elvis Presley. I'm a, that's outside your history. Oh, okay. Mtaanza kunikaunti ya miaka junaongeza Elvis Presley. Elvis Presley to date. And I mean to date now. Elvis Presley to date is still the most... Okay, he still is actually. He's still earning the most money from all his record labels to date. To date even more than MJ, even more than Whitney Houston, all those guys who've died, he's still earning the most money from all the music he made. And he's dead. Kind of sounds nice, huh? Because I know like where we are all at, yeah? One of the big issues right now in Pesa, like you keep wondering, eh, I know kuna masistapo walikuwa na pima pima that kilot she's wearing. Like, how much, you know. Wacha kujitesa. Let's go back to Elvis Presley. Hmm? 
Elvis Presley at the height of his career. He was the most well-known, most celebrated artist, writer, poet, all those manenos put together and the highest grossing honor from the record labels he had. And you know what happened? He committed suicide. Who does that? Who does that? I mean, like, yeah, we are all looking for eh, the moment, you know? We are all looking for the shape, but the shape in Ipitanga after the three kids, eh? That's another story, moving on swiftly. We are all looking for the shape. We are all looking for the face. Now, by the way, face in Akupitanga, Mamboya Watoi Pia, another story. Nuela Itakucha Ikupita, isn't it? Especially Wanaume. Ooh! Aren't you glad you are a girl, if you are a girl somewhere? Like, like we don't get bald. Can you imagine? Like you're trying to rock your stuff at 60 something and you're a girl Anyway, back to Okay, I promised I won't make any jokes. So now Elvis Presley committed suicide. And this is what his wife said when they were young. Elvis Presley had been called to ministry. Mm-mm-mm. Say what? The guy had been called to ministry. And she said this. Every single year, he was in depression because the call of God ate on him. It ate on him like a bad disease. He was perpetually depressed. If you have attended any one of my trainings, perhaps you've heard me say this. You get to the top of a mountain and you realize it's the wrong mountain. You fight your way up. You struggle climbing. You do everything. You set up the Instagram accounts. You're hot on Facebook. Eh? You're doing it all. You, you have the body. You, have, you get to the top of your mountain. And then, like Elvis Presley, it's the wrong mountain. And you're at the top. And you have no more time, no more grace, no more energy to go for anything else. So what do you do? You kill yourself. You fought depression all the way to the top. You nganganad. You did everything. You had all these followers on Twitter. You were celebrated. You were loved on. It was not conditional. Because when you got to the top of the mountain, the vacuum was still there. And so you take your life. You overdose. You give up. Because there isn't grace to come down that mountain 
and start climbing the right mountain. This was not part of the sermon, but just in case you're here and you're climbing the mountain of popularity, you're climbing the mountain of fetching for money, you're climbing the mountain of A, B, and C, and it has nothing to do with God's plan for you, let's meet at the top. And I hope you won't be killing yourself. Get down that mountain now. You have time. You have what? Time. You have time. Get down. Dust yourself. Ignore all those frogs that are croaking and start climbing your mountain. Because when you get to the top and it's the right mountain, you will see far. You will see further than you ever wanted to think you could see. That is why the Bible says he is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that you could ever ask or imagine, even if you are how imaginative. Somebody say amen. amen. Stop wasting your life looking for love where it's not there. It's unconditional. Somebody say amen. amen. It's unconditional. It's unconditional. He will give you exceedingly and abundantly above all. You know that dream, that desire, that thing that is aching at you right now? He's well able. He says he's well able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that he could ever ask, we could ever ask or imagine. Please put for me Job... 49 verse 1, I think. Job 49 verse 1. I had to insert this. Siniliwambia nita quote scripture. Sikuwa nimepeana. Msijali. The spirit is here. When he was speaking, he said something really important. God is here. He said when he started his ministry that the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the good news. And why the good news? As we wait for Job 31, Job 49, why the good news? Let me just distract ourselves and go there. He says, he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and freedom to the prisoners. You do not need to remain in any prison Today, the spirit of the Lord is here. You do not need to worry about who, where, or what. Because if there's any injury in your life from your childhood, if there's anything that has gone wrong, if there's any captivity you're in right now, God's spirit is here to set you free. Somebody say amen. amen. You're not going home the same you are not, and I'm the type to say you are not. Because we've been praying for you guys. We want you to be transformed. And there's nothing that transforms us like the love of God. You know what he says in John chapter 1 verse 3? Atani Shapita, the one I was usijali. He says, perfect love casts out all fear. Perfect love casts out all fear. Job 49 verse 1. Keep with me, keep with me. I know I'm skipping everywhere, but keep with me. Keep with me. Job 49 verse 1. You know you're there and you're wondering, can he really do this for me? 
can he really do this for me? Oh, it's actually, is it 40? Yeah, is it 49 or 42? Sorry, 42. He says in 42 verse 2 actually, not 1. Na mtu asiseme si kujua the exact chapter. Junajua mtu aneza recite actually, let me test. Jukuna wangino anasema na huyu pasi. Ajui, ajui the, the, the right place. Ile memory verse ume recite, leo ume kuoki practice. One person, nita kupea chocolate. Pasi ya wana, do they memorize verses? Basi. I know what you can I know that you can do anything. This is Job talking about God. I know that you can do anything and no plan of yours can be thwarted. You know I really find that amazing about God. No plan of his can be thwarted. He loves us so, so much. It's unconditional. His love is not tied to what we can do or cannot do. It's okay. It's okay that you are not able to read your Bible every day. He still loves you. It's okay. It's okay that you don't pray every day. He loves you still. I'm not saying those things are not for doing, but I'm saying it's okay. It's okay if you're struggling. It's okay if you're still sleeping with someone who is not your husband. He still loves you. Yeah? It's okay. You did an abortion and you didn't let anybody know. It's okay. It's okay your girlfriend got pregnant and you gave her money to abort. He still loves you. It's okay you are struggling with alcohol and drugs. Truly, it's unconditional. And that's what I want us to focus on. He says, keep your eyes on. Yes, keep your eyes on Jesus. Not on the fornication. Hmm? Not on that dad who raped you. Yeah? Not on that wound. He says, keep your eyes on Jesus. Let's get some things settled. He loves you unconditionally. Because, let me tell you, from this verse, it tells me my business is to sit down and let him love me because all those things I am worried about, he's already taken care of them. He's taken care of your sins. Somebody say amen. He's taken care of your weaknesses. He's taken care of your future. He's taken care of your poverty. He's taken care of every dream, of every gift. He is well able to do. Not you are well able. He, he, come on somebody. He is well able. Please stop trying to be God in your life. You cannot do it. You cannot, somebody, you cannot be God. Let him love you. Let him make you. Let him mold you. Get off that mountain, somebody. Get off that mountain. And the final thing about his love is that it's all-encompassing. It covers it all. 
it covers it all. It doesn't reach somewhere and it runs out. It doesn't just cover our sins. It doesn't just cover our day-to-day -day lives. It covers here. It covers eternity. It covers past. It covers it all. It's all encompassing. It sees yesterday. It sees today. It sees tomorrow. It will never end. It will never end. So if you're struggling with something, if you're imprisoned by something, if you're struggling with depression, put your guard down. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you so, so, so much. The Bible says he loves us with an adoring heart. I don't know. Let me make that adoring a bit more. He adores us, sin and all. Who does that? Who does that? I mean, even our human lovers don't love us like that with an adoring heart. You know, we cross their paths, we step on their toes, and their adoration goes out of the window. He loves us with an adoring heart. Then he will take you. And this is the kind of love that I love about God. He takes me as I am. And the Bible says there is now no condemnation. Romans chapter 8. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because when he takes you and he begins to make you, you have no idea. You know what they say? People will look at you and they will not know what you've gone through because of what is made of you. Somebody say amen. You will not look like anything you have gone through. You will not look like anything you are. And I am a testimony of that. Because I know I don't look like anything I have gone through. Anything that has happened to me. God's love unveils us and unfolds us. It is not our striving that unveils us or unfolds us. You can get to the top of the mountain with all your giftings and talents, and if it's still the wrong mountain, you will never have been everything you need to be. Let him unveil you. Let him unfold you. You will become exceedingly and abundantly more than you could ever have thought or imagined. His love delivers us from bondages. It delivers us from those sin issues that separate us from him, that make us feel ashamed to let us love him. I want to give an example of something, just so you know it works. I don't know if anyone of you has ever heard of Patsy Claremont. She's a speaker. She, started, she was one of the women who started the um, Women of God Conference in the U.S., I know maybe some of you have heard me share this, but I want to share it again for all of us. When Patsy got born again, she used to smoke at least 10 packets of cigarettes a day. Yeah, and she's a woman. And so she's gotten born again and she's really psyched for God. So she's coming and she's even serving a lot. Nakuna Kashida. Because she's in this charismatic church, eh? Unajua kuna kashida ya sigara, kuna vile tu kuna kaharufu, you can't quite 
hide, you know? And it's 10 packets a day. So she's going uko to the front, serving, serving, and then in between breaks, she's uko in the ladies' room. <laughs> you know, she pours some knees, goes back, and it became a bondage for her. The pain of hiding. You know, you've been hiding. You know what it means when you're hiding? When you have this thing, and you don't want people to know you're doing it, and you're hiding. And she was struggling with this smoking, and she struggled. She tried to stop. She tried and tried and tried. You, me, we were and it hurt her so much. So she did what almost all of us would do. Maybe some of us just give up and say, I can't give up smoking, so let me just continue. So she hooked up with these four friends of hers, lady friends, and they decided to pray and fast, to break this bondage. And they prayed and they fasted and they prayed and they fasted and they prayed. Four months later, she was still smoking. In fact, sometimes it used to feel like your kiunde imezi, imezidi. So she decided, maybe I didn't really get saved. I mean, there's no way I can be saved, and this thing is not going. So she was just at the edge. You know, she, she, she really wanted to backslide. She thought, let me go back where I was. At least there wasn't so much pressure to be perfect and to be. So the girls told her, no, 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 let's try one more fast, one more prayer and fasting. You know, we see what happens. So they're in this room, and they're about to get started. And as they are praying, God speaks to one of the ladies, and God speaks to people. By the way, you someone preach. Let's be hearing God for ourselves. He does speak. And he says, my sheep hear my voice. You will hear him. Back to Patsy. The lady tells, the God tells the lady, you guys, stop praying. Stop fasting. I want you to tell this to Patsy. And I want to tell this to you. Because I want you to focus on what really matters. He told the lady, tell Patsy this. Stop focusing on the smoking. Stop focusing on the... Stop focusing on that career. Stop focusing on what you did and you didn't do. Stop focusing on what you want to do. Stop focusing on looking at all those people who look like they've made it. And you want to be something like them. He told her, tell her to keep her eyes fixed on me. That's all she needs to do. Tell her to love on me. Tell her to love on me so much. To fix her eyes on me. To stop trying to give up the smoking. Let her love on me until the smoking gives up on her. Somebody say amen. Until the smoking does what? It gives up on you. It's going to give up on you. Because smoking or whatever it is will not hang around in the same room like the love of Jesus. Somebody say amen. Those things will not hang around you while you're keeping your eyes on Jesus. Even if it takes five years. Even if it takes ten years. Keep your eyes fixed on him who is well able. They'll give up on you. It will give up on you. 
If God intends you to get to the top, there is no poverty that will keep you down. He will give up on you. There is no curse. There is nothing. There is no witchcraft. He will give up on you. It's God to give up on you. Because the Bible tells us that the plan of God of our lives cannot be thwarted. It cannot. And you are not big enough to thwart the plan of God in your life. Somebody say amen. amen. Are you going to open your heart up to God and have an encounter with true love? The very one thing that our souls desire the most and seek for. And now, 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 before I end my sermon, because I know someone is asking, what about those things? What about those things that hurt me so much? What about the pain? What about all those things? I had questions. I can tell you I had questions. For those few of you who may know my story, you know my growing up was a hell. And then after I finished the hell of growing up, after I'd grown up, I got more hell. You know, like the one that comes with its twin sisters. Yeah. I had hell and then hell again until I couldn't see heaven. And I tell you, I've been there at the place where you stare at the dark pit like this and you don't even know how faith looks like because you can't remember how it was to have faith. So if you have questions, trust me, it's okay. Ask them. He's not a father that isn't listening, he answers. But I'm telling you, this is one thing he told me, that he works out all, all, all things together for good for those who love him. If he allowed it in your life, it will work out together for good. Somebody say amen. It will work out together for good. If he let it happen, it's because it's gonna produce some good, even if it's painful. Even if it's painful. It is going to work out together for good. And I'm telling you, if you're in a pit right now, you know those black, dark pits that you can't even lift yourself out of it? Sit tight. The lover of your soul has his eyes on you. He's going to come for you because his love is relentless. It's relentless. If you knew just how much he loved you, even when you're in that valley, he says, what does he say when you're in the valley? He says this one thing, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. They comfort me in the valley of the shadow of death. The valley of the shadow of death is that pit I'm talking about, where everything about you speaks death. Where everything around you tells you you're failing, you failed, you won't ever make it, you're dead, kill yourself, do this, do that. Take those pills. It will never work out. Your heart is too broken. Sit tight, girl. Mm. He's got your back. Sit tight, my man. If you're there, he's got your back. Because he said he will work out all, not one or two or ten, 
oh, this one is too much. All things together for good, it's gonna be good. And even if you can't hold on, he's holding on to you. That's what his love is like. He's holding on to you. And this is what I love about God. He just wants us to be like mother. I mean like Mary. To just sit down and let us, and let him love us. This is something completely different. We believe what we do for God makes a difference and it's good, but that does not count with his love. He's going to deal with your sins. He's going to deal with your future. He's going to deal with your past. He's going to deal with your pain. All you need to do is sit at his feet and let him love you. He says he will work in us to will and to do according to his perfect will. Do you know what it is to fight for our faith? Do you know what it is? In First Chronicles, when they are going to war and King Jehoshaphat and the guys have prayed and they are getting ready, this is how he told them to fight. Chapter 19, I think 20. kama ujui where your scripture references are. Chapter 19 and 20. After he's told them the, that they are going to war, yeah, and you are in the war, and I want to give you the strategy for winning in this war of life. This is the strategy. This is how you fight out the good fight of faith. He told them this. Hold your position. Hold your position. Okay, let me read it. Like doubtfully. Let me read it so that Muamini, like, yeah. First Chronicles. Um, I think it's verse 17, if I'm not so wrong. Na mwanze kusoma nini? Mwanze kusoma Old Testament. Wenye mmezoya kusoma Psalms and Proverbs. I think, okay, chapter 20. Chapter 20. Verse 17. The Bible says, hold your position. Why? Hold your position. You do not have to fight this battle. Hold your position. Because the battle belongs to the Lord. The battle belongs to the The battle belongs to the Lord. Take time to read this chapter 20 when you go home. This is how you fight for your faith. You hold your position with God. Because the battle belongs to the Lord. The battle belongs to the Lord. And we start it out by letting him love us. I don't know what you may be thinking right now. I don't know if you're thinking... Are there favorites? Am I special? I just want you to know this. You don't need to be anything special. You don't need to be any gifted person. When he loves you, you become what you're looking for. Moses was someone just like everyone else. But when God loved on him, 
he became the Moses that we know. Abraham was a man like any other. So was David. So was Mary. They were just normal people like us. But they let God love them. And they became special. And we admire them today. Please don't be like Saul. God had his eyes on him, but he turned his heart away from God. So God's having his eye on him didn't make any difference. He turned away from God. So I don't know what you're struggling with today, what you came carrying, what you're celebrating, what you're wondering. I think what God is saying to us today, it does not matter. It does not matter. He's got it all under his control. Will you let him love you? And I want to make a prayer right now. I want to make a prayer right now. Father, I thank you for the ears that have listened to me this morning. Father, I don't know what each and every person is going through or has gone through. I don't know what questions they have and they're asking. But Lord, I did what you asked me to do. I told them, you want them. You're here and you're looking for them. God wants you right now. Do you feel like you've given God everything and there's nothing more to give? He wants it all. Give him. Give him even that little bit you've been holding on. Have you been afraid to commit to God because you're not sure that it will make an impact, it will make any difference? Has he hurt you in the past? Have situations in the past hurt you until you can't really believe in an unconditional love, in a relentless love? He says, try me. Try me today. I am well able. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Are you there, your heart broken? Things that you wanted to do didn't work out. Someone you loved failed you. Someone you loved hurt you. They defiled you. They broke your trust. They betrayed you. They walked away. Have you been wondering why the future looks so dark and bleak and you don't know what to do with it? Are you a man seated there and you're wondering, how can I be? How can I be everything that I need to be? I don't know how to do this. And the sense of desperation is just aching you. Are you seated right there and you want to be so much and you don't know how to break out of all this? I just want to tell you God is able. God is able. He means to do it. He's going to do it and he was going to do it all along. And he's inviting you today to encounter him, to see him face to face, to look at him and see the face of his love. He's here to minister to us. He's here to assure us that it is okay. He made it okay before he created the world. Oh, Heavenly Father, there are tears falling down in the heart of so many. There's struggle. There's concern. There's depression. There's desperation. Lord, there's yearning to reach out for something that is just out of hand. 
Lord, would you come down and heal? Won't you come down and fill those spaces? Won't you come down and assure your people today that you are more than enough? You're more than enough. That the hardships in this life do not define your love. That you're bigger than those things and you will work them out all together for good if they will just trust and hold on. Father, there's somebody who's been holding on and trusting and there's no breakthrough for so long. Merciful Savior, won't you shine some light in that valley? Oh God, please let not anybody come out of here without feeling the touch of your love. It is so amazing. It is so great. It is so glorious. Lord, you love us so relentlessly. You love us so unconditionally. Make a change in our lives this day. Transform us in a way that today will become a marker in our lives. That something happened today. That you touched something. That you sowed a seed. That you began something. And Lord, you are in this place. Oh, Holy Spirit, move through every single person's soul today. Let them know that God singled them out. That your eyes were upon them. The Lord you sought them out. The Lord you loved them. The Lord you're going to make a difference in their lives. Whether they can see it or not. Because that's what you are. Lord show your love. Prove it this morning. Because you say you will Lord. You will Lord. You will. those empty places. Fill us. Anyone who needs to feel your hug, Lord, anyone who wants to feel it, Lord, please don't let them walk out of this place. Anyone who's been celebrating your goodness and they don't know how, it, how long it will last, hold their hands. Anyone who needs to get down a mountain and start going up the right one, give them the courage to start afresh. If somebody who's been dreaming and they're afraid to take steps, someone who's been feeling maybe they're dreaming too big dreams, someone who's been feeling, Lord, that am I really sure? Father, I pray for courage to take steps. I pray for your Holy Spirit to just come and minister the very things that we need to hear from you. Meet us, Lord, today. Meet us at our points of need, King of glory. You're welcome in this place because you're enthroned in this place. And Father, I pray that you may become the Lord and God and sovereign King over every life that is in this room today. You have loved us with an everlasting love. Lord, when we ever get to our deepest holes, let it cover us. Lord, when we get to the top of our mountains and we are rejoicing in our successes, let it cover us. When we are straining, Lord, to go up our mountains, may it never leave us. May it always keep a witness in our hearts that you cover all, Lord. And Lord, I pray for testimonies. 
I pray for testimonies, whether they are five years old, ten years old, two weeks old, one hour old. I pray for testimonies in this place that they encountered the love of God and they held it in their hand, in their hands, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for meeting us today. Thank you for forgiving us. Thank you for making it all beautiful in your time. In Jesus' name we pray and believe.